Today I want to talk to you about some lessons I learned as a doctor in A&E about resilience. In Romans 5 verses 1 to 5, the Apostle Paul writes this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Before I came to work on staff at HTB, I used to work as a hospital doctor and I spent time training in emergency medicine, anaesthetics and intensive care. In these settings, the word resilience is used to describe how to cope with sustained periods of stress and struggle it's like a modern day word for perseverance. And this passage is so interesting because it tells us that the way to increase hope for ourselves and to show hope to others is not just to feel hopeful or to choose hope or to talk about hope, it's to persevere in the midst of struggle. By persevering, we learn in this passage, natural and supernatural things happen to shift our whole being towards hope. So today I want to talk to you about four things I learned as a doctor in A&E about resilience that all relate to this passage in Romans. Number one, everyone has a part to play. In much of the Apostle Paul's writings, he talks in the first person plural, we, us, are. It's not me and you, it's not the church and the congregation, it's not those who have it all sorted and those who don't. Verse five in this passage says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's us, it's all of us. In A&E, when the most sickest, most acute, most traumatic patients were brought in, a team of doctors, nurses, and numerous other support staff would assemble to work together to save that person's life. What is fascinating is that some of the roles in this team would, under any other circumstances, be seen as really dull and boring. For example, one person would walk with a piece of paper with the patient's name on it from one end of the hospital to the other and then walk back with some bags of blood in a plastic bag. Whilst another person might be called upon to do nothing else but simply watch the clock at the end of the bed and announce every two minutes that another two minutes had passed. Viewed for just the actions that they are, these jobs seem so horrifically boring. But when contextualised within a team that is saving a life, when they know that if they don't do those particular things in a particular way, that life may not be saved, your perspective can completely change. You will run down that corridor as fast as you can with that bit of paper and you stare so intently at the clock. Every part of the team is equally and critically important. And that is what Paul is saying about the church. The church is all of us. We are all filled with the same spirit and the same spirit is able to use anything we could do more than we could ask or imagine. Whether that's praying for God to break into people's situations, picking up a phone to check in on someone or doing the shopping for a neighbour. You might think that what you are doing at the moment is unimportant, but just like those people in those hospital teams, Everything you do has huge significance and importance. Everyone has a part to play and everyone's part is important. Number two, acknowledge it's going to be tough. When the Apostle Paul in this passage calls us to glory in our sufferings, 
he is making it clear that we will all go through difficult seasons, that life will at times be extremely difficult and challenging. And I don't think any of us, particularly after this last year, will argue that this is not the case. One lesson I learned really quickly in A&E was that if you turn up to work hoping that today was going to be an easy day, you were going to end up really burnt out really quickly. The reality is that it was A&E and on any given day, the two options for volume of workload were either really busy or really, really busy. To hope otherwise would be to set myself up for massive frustration and disappointment and also leave me possibly resenting the work and the people I was working with and for. In order to cope, I had to accept each day that it was going to be tough and tiring and hard and to prepare myself for that, not to simply hope that it would be different. To acknowledge that life is sometimes hard is not to wave a white flag, to give up praying that God can and will break into our situations. But hope for Paul in this passage was not primarily found in waiting for an end to struggle, but from persevering, from finding God's peace and joy in the middle of struggle. Just because the situation hasn't changed, it doesn't mean that God hasn't shown up. So I want to challenge you this week, not only to pray that God would calm the storms you are going through, but to also pray that you would encounter him in the middle of those challenging situations and he would calm the storm in you. Number three, set your own alarms. So as we have seen, we are called to glory in our sufferings and we, we do this as this passage explains, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. The word character in the original Greek language translates as something that has been proven through trials, something that is authentic. The actual root word is from the act of purifying a metal by passing it through fire. I know for me that one of the biggest things that gets exposed during difficult seasons is my desire to do everything by myself, to be seen by others as being able to cope despite the cost to me. But this is not the model given to us by Jesus. He would walk up mountains to have quality quiet times and he would ask his friends to pray for him when he was racked with fear and doubt in the garden. Character, authenticity is not carrying on despite the cost, it's knowing yourself and knowing when you need help. After a few years of working in A&E, I switched my training to anaesthetics and I was given an invaluable piece of advice on one of my first days. I was told, set your own alarms. Now, an anaesthetic machine has loads of different preset alarms to go off and alert you to a variety of things to ensure that the machine is working and the patient is kept as safe as possible. But I was encouraged to set my own personal, slightly more sensitive alarms at the start of each day so that I knew I would be alerted if anything changed that I needed to know about. To have resilience in the midst of difficult times, as Paul is encouraging us to do, we need to set our own alarms to let us know when we need to do something different, to let us know when we need help. Every month or so when I was working in hospital, and for some reason this would always happen during a night shift, I would deal with something that I found really upsetting. And over time I realised that just cracking on with the next thing and trying to forget about it was not the best idea. I would be edgy and cranky with my colleagues and ultimately be exhausted by the end of my shift. After talking these things through with my wife, we decided, mainly because she's also a doctor and she's outrageously and annoyingly good at getting back to sleep if woken up in the middle of the night, 
that it would be okay if I phoned her on these occasions so that she could pray. Each time I would try to convince myself that I would be fine, that I should just cope, but eventually I would phone Jo. I wouldn't say much, but she would wake up, she would tell me that she loved me and she would pray. And it made the most amazing difference each time. So I wonder, what are the alarms that you need to put into place in your life in order to let you know when you need to change something or you need to ask for help? Maybe it's asking a friend to reach out to you if they don't hear from you for a few weeks. Maybe it's deliberately calling someone who brings you peace and joy if you have had a particularly hard day. Or maybe, if it's possible for you, it's setting yourself up with some professional help when you know you are really struggling. More often than not, for me, it's simply realising that if I start to feel a bit more anxious and a bit more edgy, then it might be because I need to spend some more time with the Father, to just sit in his presence, read his word, and give my situation to him in prayer. Number four, know you are loved. The final verse in this passage is one of my absolute favourites. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul is telling us that not because of what we have earned, but because of what God has done, we are loved. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I know that I do not always see myself in this way, particularly when life is difficult. I have a really good friend who is a doctor in the army and a number of years ago he was deployed out to a war zone as part of the medical team in a large field hospital. One day he was sitting with the padre, who's like a sort of army chaplain, who said he wanted to give him a present and he gave him six IKEA shot glasses. Now my friend held these small, cheap, unremarkable glasses in his hand and he really liked the padre so he was trying to be um, friendly and he just said thanks. The Padre then explained how every time a soldier had died in combat, six members of his unit would, after they'd carried the coffin to the plane, go back to the chapel and have a shot of brandy in the glasses my friend was holding. They would then sit in silence for a moment before the Padre would finish with a prayer. Now, I'll never forget how my friend described to me that while hearing this story, these worthless and ordinary glasses in his hand became something of profound significance and infinite worth. We might see ourselves as fragile, weak, broken and flawed, but Paul in this passage is telling us that this is not the true narrative for our lives. He tells us that because of all that God has done for us, because Jesus showed ultimate resilience and perseverance in his death on the cross for us, we know that we are justified through faith. We know that we have peace with God through Jesus. We have gained access to the grace in which we now stand, that we can boast in hope and that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. More than anything else, whether in my work as a doctor or anything else that I've done since, on the days when I truly believe that this God-given identity is actually my identity, that like those shot glasses, I am not worthless, but of infinite worth, not because of anything I have done, but because of everything that God has done, I am more able to have resilience, more able to persevere, to find peace and joy in the middle of the struggles and mess of life. So, everyone has a part to play. Acknowledge that it is going to be tough. Set your own alarms and know that you are loved because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame 
because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen.